Over 460 million people around the world have disabling hearing loss. Starkey Hearing Foundation provides hearing aids and hearing-related healthcare to millions of patients in over 100 countries. But they need your support to continue helping those in need. Give the gift of hearing by donating to the Listen In campaign. Go to listenincampaign.org to donate today. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-I-N-C-A-M-P-A-I-G-N dot O-R-G. The following program is an MLWRadio.com production. Hey everybody, welcome to Prime Time with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, the legend, the WWE Hall of Famer, and me, Sean Mooney. And folks, uh, welcome back to uh, our podcast. And I have to say, man, boy, we have just really enjoyed hearing from so many people who have become loyal listeners already and who have sent in a lot of great comments and suggestions for the podcast along with a bunch of great questions. And I'm going to be uh, delivering a few of those today from some of our, our listeners out there. But Hacksaw Jim Duggan, this is a, uh, a great week. Uh, it is 4th of July week. And I know, you know, that 2x4 is close to you, but there is nothing closer to you than the American flag. Well, hello, Sean. Nice to talk to you again, buddy. And, you know, I got my new fancy Dan headset on, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, before the show, we were talking with Brian. I, I forgot to ask him if it was okay to hope with this fancy yeah. Dan headset. Let's so give I it guess a shot. It's okay. So, oh, especially on the 4th of July, I got to tell you. But yeah. uh, I hope everyone can hear me a little bit better. We got all the audio uh, worked out. But uh, like you Good said, uh, Sean, go ahead and give us another one, Jim. Give us another one. Come on. Well, if you're going to hold, brother, you got to hold like you mean it. So, ho, USA, USA, USA. And there's always three of those in there, too. You know, you, yeah. you can't do one or two. There's got to be three USAs. Well, Jim, you sound great this week. And uh, I know that, uh, you know, we, we talk about, uh, you know, Fourth of July. and, and the, But uh, you've been a, a very patriotic individual your whole life. Your father was the, the chief of police in Glens Falls. I know you've done so much stuff with, with veterans, and that continues to this day. I know a lot of your appearances involve veterans. Yeah, it sure does. And, Sean, now I'm just talking with the U.S. So, you know, as a kid growing up, uh, me and my dad would sit there, and, and uh, of course, during the Vietnam War, God bless all those guys and women that fought in that battle but or that war. But watching uh, Bob Hope and World War II, those people going over with the USO. So I'm looking forward to setting up a trip with the USO later this year and, and traveling overseas and, and shaking some of the hands of the brave young men and women that, that actually keep us safe and free. You know, uh, I've been carrying a flag. I've been around the world doing it, but I'd like to go out there with the guys right on the front lines and, and tell them thanks. Yeah, and that, and that's awesome that you do that, Jim, because I think, uh, you know, I always talk to people. I said, you know what? They let us take all this for granted because they go out there and they're the ones risking their lives. And we want to give a big shout out to all of our veterans. I hope. Uh, I'll give them a hold, uh, Sean. Let me have yeah. a hold. I, I, you know what? I got a good one, too. All right. Ready? Ho! You got to work on that hoeing, buddy. I'll tell you. Of course, you got to be careful here, hoeing out there in Arizona, I think. <laughs> well, uh, all we worry about out here right now is staying cool, Jim. But uh, yeah. It's been a great week. And, folks, you know, we want you to uh, help us continue to spread the word that the podcast is available at MLWradio.com and also through iTunes. And when you check in there at iTunes, be sure and click the subscribe icon and give us a five rating if you like what you're hearing. OK. And also, as I mentioned, you know, we we have a uh, 
uh, an email account. And Jim, I told you, I checked it this week. I mean, I checked it four days ago. We had a bunch of stuff in there, but we, we had a, a lot of emails and we love to hear from you guys. Uh, you can uh, connect with us that way if you want more than 142 characters at primetime at mlw.com. Of course, uh, we love the Twitter as well. And Jim is really active on Twitter at official hacksaw. That's easy to remember. And mine is at Sean Mooney Who. So uh, also we have one for the show at primetime MLW. But keep those Twitters coming. That's where I've got a lot of the questions that I've got uh, in the bag this week. Uh, but before we get to our main topic, I know uh, a little hint here. Uh, before we get to our main topic, a little hint there, Jim. But before we get to that, I know you've had uh, a lot going on this week. Every week you're, you're out there on the road. Tell me about the latest adventures of Jim Duggan. Well, actually, we had a great weekend. I uh, flew up to Albany, New York. I'm originally from Glens Falls, so I drove up. Uh, I saw two of my sisters. My one daughter is up there. We drove over to Vermont, had a show in Vermont on Saturday, went up mm-hmm. to our cabin up in the woods that my dad, God bless him, got 50 years ago, you know, and uh, wow. out on a beautiful lake up there. Uh, flew home uh, uh, Monday. And, of course, uh, this Thursday I'm going up to uh, Geneva, Illinois, for a baseball game with the uh, Kane County Cougars up there, throwing out the first pitch, you know. Yeah. And of course, if they need any uh, uh, base running, I'll be glad to help out, you know. <laughs> but uh, then come back and they have the big uh, Supercon up in Raleigh, North Carolina, and Flair's going to be there. It'll be good to see Rick. I think Steiner's going to be there. It's kind of like an old home week with wrestlers. Yeah. And then Monday, I'm really excited right there at the Comedy Zone in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm doing my stand-up show, uh, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan show, catchy title, huh, there? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's easy but, to uh, remember. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think I told you before, I tell folks, if you want to hear some funny knock-knock jokes or, you know, jokes about your grandmother, then go somewhere else. <laughs> we're, That's exactly We're telling hey. wrestling stories, uh, you know, ring stories about Andre the Giant. Road stories about Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, rib stories about Bret Hart, you know, kind of pull the curtain back on wrestling. And it's a fun night out for uh, wrestling type folks. Yeah, and that's what this uh, program is all about. And folks, uh, uh, Jim, I think, you know, if you keep going to all these baseball games, you're going to have to get a two by four made up with, you know, like a a bat handle on it or something (laughs) so you can. Do some well, swinging. It's always and, fun. I tell you, it's like wrestling. They got something going on, you know, mascots, uh, skits with the uh, yeah. the players. Uh, it's, it's a fun night out. And, you know, throwing out the first pitch, they usually have a couple of people doing it. And there's always some 12 year old kid that's throwing fire, you know, fume, yeah. fume. <laughs> I'm like, hey, oh, yeah. God, you know, get it over the plate, Duggan. Yeah. And you've mentioned before, like, you know, a lot of these people that go to these uh, minor league baseball games, and I have a theory about this that. You know, going to like an MLB game, you're kind of detached. But, you know, if you go to these minor league ball games and even AAA, you know, they're these small town, small town places and you get to know the players and they come out, you know, and they chat and they get to, you know, get to know the same fans that come out. They're the same kind of people that that go out to these indie shows, too. Right. Yeah. A good. And uh, that's a good comparison because, you know, that's the the uh, the proving grounds for baseball players as the indie shows are the proving ground for the WWE. You know, not everybody on indie show has a dream of making it, but a lot of those young men and women out there have the hopes of making it to the WWF one day. And that's the first move. And the next step, of course, at the NXT and at the training facility in uh, Orlando. But, uh, 
you know, it's kind of a farm system. And there's some great talent out there because there's just a limited number of spots. There's yeah. more talent than there is spots. Yeah, and I know you're always, uh, you know, plugging these indie shows for that reason because you got to get out there and support these kids who uh, want to make it. And one day they're going to be entertaining you probably in the WWE. You know? Yeah, look, yeah, look, look at the current roster. You know, Kevin Owens and all those guys came. Yeah. You know, a lot of them up from Canada came out of Canada. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, I love the international appeal of wrestling. That, that's why I love to give it to the uh, NFL and Major League Baseball guys. You know, world champs. Come on, fellas. <laughs> so quickly, before I want to tell you about what I did this past weekend, but before we, I do that, uh, give us some specific dates on those where when you're going to be with Flair, and then also you've got that uh, Comic Con coming up. What are those dates? Oh, well, that's coming up. Ooh, I don't have my calendar right in front of me. Yes, I do. Oh, God, I'm glad. Prepared as always, Doug, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the 13th, I'm going to be uh, July 13th. I'm going to be up with in, uh, just outside of Chicago with the Kane County Cougars of the baseball game right. up in Raleigh, North Carolina, the 14th. That's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 14th, 15th, and 16th. I'll go down to Charlotte the 16th, spend the night there. I'm going to do a bunch of uh, local media in the morning of the 17th. In the evening of the 17th, I'll be at the Comedy Zone uh, with the stand-up show. Uh, and then uh, come home after the show. It's close enough to Charlotte where I live here in South Carolina. I'll come home yeah. and crash for a few days. <laughs> oh, cool. All right, so uh, I hope you'll bear with me on this. And I know, Jim, you don't think of me as a scrapper, uh, you know, that, but I actually played rugby at the University of Arizona when I was in college and uh, went on a few tours overseas. But uh, this past weekend, I was in San Diego for the USA Eagles rugby team match versus Canada. And of all things, it's so great because, you know, we had Fourth of July coming up this weekend. It was actually Canada Day on Saturday. Well, my nephew is a USA Eagle. And the Eagles won 52 to 16 and qualified for a spot in the Rugby World Cup in Japan in 2019. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my boy, uh, my nephew, Ryan Mattias. He's a member of that team and played a big role in that win. And uh, he plays in the back line for the Eagles. He played wing. If you know anything about rugby, folks, uh, I know there's a few of you out there, probably some rugby fans. He was at number 11, which is the wing side wing. And a big shout out to him. Ryan and the Eagles. Congratulations. USA, USA. Jim, you would have loved it because <laughs> we were in this small stadium and I'm really surprised that we don't have, you know, thousands and thousands of people. This is the USA Eagles rugby team. Okay. Right. And there, there was, uh, you know, it was a good crowd, 5,000, but I thought there should have been 50,000. You go overseas, you know, anything about rugby, it is their national sport in a lot of these places. It isn't just soccer. Okay. Mm. But, uh, it was awesome because, you know, it was the USA, it was the 4th of July coming up. It was Canada Day, and they kicked their ass, 52 to 16. So it was just an awesome weekend. And I got out of the heat, Jim. I got to go to San Diego. It was 82 degrees or 72 degrees is a high. I don't want to come back. Well, first, first I'd like to say belated happy Canada Day for the folks up there in Canada there last week. And I, I always thought you were kind of scrappy. I didn't know you played rugby, though, Sean. That's, yeah, uh, I love yeah. that. Of course, you got to be kind of scrappy back there, back in the day in the WWF, just to survive. Yeah. So you survived pretty well, but yes, the way the rugby's coming on is kind of like lacrosse. You know, I see lacrosse in a lot of high schools now and stuff. Yep. And uh, rugby is coming on. Of course, obviously, the way soccer is is taking over uh, yeah. so many uh, cities, and, and like you say, you're over there and you say soccer in, P- in Europe, and they're like, "What? What's soccer? You mean football?" Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. But anyway, I know everybody wants to get back to our, our main topic here, and I'll get to it, folks. But I just I just had to talk about that because it was a tremendous weekend. We just had a, a great time, and, and he he had some uh, awesome plays. So check out Ryan Mattias. He's with the Eagles sometime. All right, let's get to our main event. There's the tease because you know what? This week, Jim, I want to talk about Saturday night's main event. Uh, you played a bigger role in, in these episodes uh, than I did. I, I, I had a, a chance to, to uh, do interviews for a bunch of the shows, but uh, I wanted to talk about this week because I believe Saturday night's main event was a major, major uh, uh, part of making the WWF at the time uh, what it became, that, that, uh, that, that launching it into the stratosphere, making it a mainstream form of entertainment, uh, whatever you want to call it, but it really was. And uh, it was a tremendous rating success for the NBC network during its heyday. Uh, the very first airing uh, took place on uh, May 10th, 1985, on Long Island, New York, at Nassau Coliseum. It, it drew 8,300 people, okay? But what I want to talk about, and if you know, you, you hear about ratings all the time. You know, they, they talk about Raw and the ratings they get, and they're saying, you know, they're getting threes now. And a lot of people are like, what the heck does that mean? Well, what that means is, is that uh, it, it, of all the uh, capable television households, that means they have television uh, household, uh, uh, working televisions in their home, and they tune in. Uh, if, let's say, it's a three share, that means that 3% of, the, of all the television sets, all the people that are watching television, are watching that program. Okay? So uh, if you talk about what, what happened back then, okay, there would be... 30, okay, so let's just talk about the first one, okay? The first one that, that took place, I told you, on May 10th, drew an 8.8 .8 share. That meant 8%, almost 9% of the viewing audience watched this show. That, even then, was gigantic. Because if you think about it, Jim, uh, wrestling had not been on over-the-air broadcast television. We're not talking about um, cable, which was in kind of, you know, in its, it was growing in its infancy at that time. But to draw that on a network, they hadn't seen uh, wrestling over the air on broadcast television since the 50s. So I don't know if you felt it at the time, but did you, do you remember thinking back, you know, how big that was, like what it was becoming? Yeah, I think anybody realized Saturday Night Main Event, that was something extra, extra special. And, of course, you know, one of the top NBC producers there, Dick Emersall, came in yep. and, and produced those shows, the, the, the uh, Slammy Awards. I mean, it just took it to a whole different level and took it mainstream. Even, you know, I think it was pretty good mainstream already because the, the regular ratings on the, the, the regular shows were way up there. Right. But, I mean, that, that just opened it up to a whole new group of folks that weren't into wrestling that would never watch the show. But say hey, Saturday Night Main Event, kind of boom. And I think that opened up a new uh, group of folks to, our, to, to the product. Yeah, it sure did. And, and then over the, you know, the, the Saturday Night Main Events would air from 1985 to 1992. Okay. Uh, during that time, there would be 36 episodes. And what happened was, is that, you know, Saturday Night Live, which was huge. You, you remember Saturday Night Live and, uh, you know, in its heyday. Um, and this was after, you know, the, the early, you know, Chevy Chase and Belushi. But there was Joe Piscopo and there was, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, and it was still, still a pretty big show. Yeah, and what, what would happen is they'd go on like hiatus. They wouldn't air every single week. And what happened was the WWF would do, would fill in these programs thanks to Dick Ebersol. Uh, 
uh, as I mentioned, there's 36, uh, 36 episodes, 34 between, uh, or 32 rather, between 1985 and 92. Now, the most successful show aired on March 14th, 1987, and it drew an 11.6 rating, which to this day remains the highest rating any show ever, has ever done in that time slot. Now, I don't know if you know this is all updated, but that, but the point is, it was gigantic. Okay, um, as I mentioned, that meant you know the 11, like a, that meant almost 12 percent of the viewing audience were watching that program, and it was a big deal, as I mentioned, because it, it was hadn't been seen since the 50s. Now, as Donald Trump would say, this was huge, and you mentioned Dick Ebersol. Okay, now. A lot of people don't know who Dick Ebersol was. Maybe they've heard the name, but he was a big part of Saturday Night Live, you know, and was very uh, influential in making, you know, Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo major stars in, in those, you know, those Saturday Night Live, that, that uh, area. Also, do you remember McMillan and Wife, Jim? You remember that show? Yeah, sure, of course. Yeah, I, I did some stuff with uh, Susan St. James. There you go. Well, yeah, the Connecticut I, Special Olympics. Yeah, and she was, I'm telling you, she was a major crush of mine. I thought she was awesome. She was <laughs> in that show, McMillan and Wife. Well, he, she is married to Dick Ebersol, which is sure. another reason why he's like a guy who he always hated Ebersol. Then, huh? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's right. It's supposed to be with me. But, um, but uh, in 1983, Ebersol started this company called No Sleep Productions. And it was this independent production company. That, all, that also they created, uh, he created Friday Night Videos and then later with Bob Costas. I don't know if you remember that show. But anyway, the, the, he was huge at the time. But he, in 1985, he had a falling out with the folks at SNL and he didn't know what the heck he was going to do from that point on. But, but he had seen, do you remember the MTV, uh, they had these MTV spe specials, WWF specials. This is when Cindy Lauper and Lou Albano and all um, Captain the, Lou. Know, they were. Right. And they had uh, two two specials on MTV of all things, which was a very, which it was kind of amazing because, you know, cable, as I mentioned, was in its infancy. Yeah, but so MTV was a hot show. It was, but it was, but it was part of, you know, like this cable explosion that was starting. People were catching on. Like when the networks first heard about cable, they're like, well, pff, it's not going to last because we're the big four. We're the big three, you know, like they, it's not, well, who owns, who owns the networks now? Comcast, Cox, all these are, you know, morphed into other things. They all own them. But anyway, in 1984, July 23rd, uh, they had uh, the brawl to end it all in New York City. Jim, that, that show on cable at the time got a nine share, okay? And then there was another one on February 18th, 1985, uh, the war to settle the score. And these were all at uh, Madison Square Garden. So that, that was gigantic. And Ebersol saw this. So he was like, whoa, this is wrestling. And I, I know he was kind of a fan, but it was, he looked at more things like, how do I get ratings? That's what he, that's basically what it came down to was business. So he, you know, gets, forms this alliance with, with Vince McMahon. Obviously Vince saw uh, the opportunity here and Ebersol sells this to the network because he shows them the numbers. Well, then they come off of that first show and they get that 8.8 .8 share. That was that was gigantic, and that's what started it all. So uh, you know, you think about how these things came to be. Ebersol had a major role, and I'm gonna I want to talk about how Vince and Ebersol and and you know uh, Vince very well. I mean, at least seeing how he worked, right? He, he doesn't work well with others in a sense when he's not the guy on the shots, right? 
I mean, you've seen that. <laughs> yeah, he, he's the captain of the ship. <laughs> you know, what you need, you can't have a, a group of guys making a decision. You need a guy making a decision. But also, Emersaw, you know, he was instrumental in the uh, Slammy Awards. He, he produced the Slammy Awards. And I think a little known fact, you probably know all about this, Sean. You're good on all that kind of trivia stuff. He bought, like, I think it was Carly Simon's rights to find out who she was singing about in that He's So Vain song. You remember that at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you'd probably, yeah. But, but who was it? I, it was, uh, we, they did reveal that, right? It was. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, the guy, uh, he, he played Bugsy McGraw, a big-time movie star. Oh, uh, but, Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty, yeah. Warren Beatty, yeah. There you go. There's something else you you wouldn't think. You'd, <laughs> you'd never know podcast. that on any other podcast. We, we <laughs> cover <know>. stuff, Sean. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I didn't make my appearance on uh, Saturday Night Main Event until 1990. Gene handled all of those interviews. And also Jesse Ventura, who was paired with, with Vince, they were the, the two announcers. Um, Jim, like, like I said, you played a big part. You had some um, some great matches on these Saturday Night Main Events. Uh, before we get to that, though, and I mentioned Jesse, last week we talked about, you know, announced teams. We talked about Bobby and Gorilla and, and their unique uh, pairing that they had. For whatever reason, it worked. You know, I'll be honest here, and, and prior to, uh, you know, hearing Vince doing play-by-play, I, w- I never was a big fan of it. And I know that's, at the time, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I didn't voice my opinion on that, because what did I know? But I always thought it was just like so big and so over the top, whatever. But I thought with Jesse, it worked really well. What did you think of that pairing? I liked it because I thought uh, Jesse really challenged Vince, you know, more than most yeah. guys would, I think. He, he really pushed the envelope with Vince. And, uh, of course, I, you know, I have three older sisters. They hate Jesse to this day. I saw right. two of them over the weekend. They're like, it wasn't just a job. He really hated you, Jimmy. You know, <laughs> I can tell it was my sister. I get to Jimmy, you know. He really hated you, Jimmy. He'd say the worst horrible things about your eyes and everything. <laughs> yeah, but didn't you – But didn't, didn't, he must have done a great job because they knew the kind of business you are in, and you had people talking bad about you all the oh, time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, you know, every once in a while we have something really hits home, boy, and, and Jesse really got to my sisters, you know. And, yeah, that's uh, You know, it's, it's people say, yeah, and I know wrestling is wrestling, but this one time I saw. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. But but uh, with with Jesse and Vince, and the thing, we, we touched on this last week, and I, said, I was talked about, you know, one of the reasons that Bobby worked so well with Gorilla. It uh, wasn't just the fact that, because, and it was unusual because, you know, the usual broadcast team was your, your pretty straight announcer guy who did, you know, called it down the middle, the, you know, the play-by-play guy. And then you'd have a baby face who put over all the faces and then he would, you know, put the boots to the, the, the heels. But the, uh, this was different because, you know, of course, Bobby was the heel and you had that dynamic where Gorilla, gorilla was this you know, massive gorilla. I mean, he could take care of, <laughs> he could, he could slap up your way. Like like a fly, right? Well, that wasn't the dynamic with Vince and Jesse. But like you said, Jesse could get away with saying this stuff. And I was wondering, like, initially, if, you know, Vince wondered, is this guy shooting or what? You know, because, but then I think he realized, geez, this is working. You know, I, I never really <laughs> quite understood it. That uh, the, the gimmick, you know, they always say the best gimmick is a half a shoot anyway. So, you know, that it may be. And uh, I think Vince liked that. I think Vince, it, not only in announcing on camera, 
but also yeah. back uh, behind the behind the scenes. He liked guys that challenged him. He liked uh, Jesse giving him a hard time on the mic. He liked Warrior giving him a hard time at the uh, you know at WrestleMania, not hold, holding up to go to the ring. I mean, I think he uh, he respected guys. I think more that that challenged him. Yeah, and I think you know the bottom line, and and I think Jesse says it to this day that what allowed him to do this. He's bottom line. He just really didn't care. I think he had this confidence that no matter what he did, he was going to be okay. And, and I think that carried him. And also that, that, uh, you know, he really understood how you put these guys over, you know, with how he, uh, you know, would trash the, the baby face and then, you know, put over the heel knowing that it was going to have the reverse effect, no matter what he said. But the other thing that I thought was really great about what he did too is that he would he would say something like you know uh, he's a despicable human being but I got to give it up to him but you know with his uh, technique in the ring you know what I mean like he do like these backhand yeah, no, he never said nothing good about me ask yeah. my sisters <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean but he could throw in that respect kind of angle you know what I mean like I don't have to like him but I got to respect him and and he would do that once in a while not enough to where you're going well, I'm not buying this you know I don't yeah. understand. It, you know what I mean? When he did, when he did pull it out, it meant something. He would do it just uh, enough, though. When he said something like that, it, it really, you know. So he, he only said it about certain guys in certain angles. But yeah, in yeah, general, yeah. though, I think he was he was tough on the baby faces, which was was his job. What he was supposed to do? Yeah, exactly. He, he was good at it, you know. <laughs> just ask his sisters. Yeah. <laughs> to this day, Jimmy, he really meant it that time. <laughs> Guy's crazy, but uh, I was, you know, I was disappointed when he left. I, uh, I uh, that over whatever differences they had, but well, nobody I don't, really I don't stays there forever. Seen... I mean, who, huh? who? I mean, nobody's ever stayed there forever. Oh, I know, I know, but I, I don't know if anyone has really ever been uh, well paired with Vince since. And of course, he's not at the announce table anymore. But I think during that period of time, that uh, it was. It was really, I think they had, you know, between Bobby and Gorilla and then you had Jesse and, and Vince, it, it really worked really well. And uh, back to Saturday night's main event, I think it, it worked really well for um, those programs, those those episodes, because I watched a few of them on the on the network. And, uh, you know, it, it, it even as simple as and you look back, it's kind of funny. You watch those shows and they have these really simple graphics. And, you know, I was a a television producer a lot of my career and I look back at you know like some of the effects that they did you know like these just very simple layered you know and freeze frames and which look really you know terrible now but back then it was like whoa state-of-the-art oh stuff back then man, you <laughs> know right. you yeah know, shoot that it's was true. well like you said before you know, I think the biggest evolution thing for uh, wrestlers, though, were the GPSs. You know, back in the day, you'd pull up. I'd be driving the car. I had of a 400-pound ball-headed guy sitting next to me, a hot blonde and a midget in the back seat. You couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't get anybody to give you directions. You'd pull up. Hey, excuse me, excuse me. Don't look at him. Keep walking, Harriet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you did the man, the man thing. You didn't do the man thing where you just refused just to ask directions. Oh, no, are you kidding? When you're supposed to be at the show at six thirty and it's quarter to seven, you have not a clue <laughs> where the hell you are. <laughs> Somebody help me! And, and you drive by a police car, they're just going to pull you over to ask what the hell's going on. Right. And <laughs> they look in the is the circus in town. And then you're going to be late, right? Yeah. Well, then not too just, late. Though. Remember, you said you got to be just just late yeah, enough. Well, that's the deal. If you're going to be late, be so late that they're happy to see you. you know? <laughs> right. 
thank God you made it instead of where the hell you been. Thank God you guys made the show. Jeez. All right. So I want to take you back, and I hope that you can remember some of this stuff because it's been a while. But uh, as I mentioned, no, 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 because I'm right there with you. So I can't. uh, It's no shot because I'm. Then I'm. It's a shot to me too. But but as I mentioned, you know, you you got uh, uh, you know you had some great matches on these programs. And you know, I remember thinking at the time how huge this was because, you know, I'm, I'm a big television geek about is, you know, the history of television. And I remember thinking that like, and, and I, 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 when I did get my chance, man, I was, I don't know if I've ever been more nervous to be on television, even after all of the pay-per-views I'd done and everything like that. But we'll, we'll get, we'll, we'll get to that. But I want to talk to you about, you know, your, a big appearance you had, and it was a big push. Uh, it was in Springfield, Massachusetts, and um, it was April twenty second, nineteen eighty eight. Now, do you remember like this, the, these matchups? Because you had, I think, this is when uh, you really had uh, an angle starting to go, go with Andre, and they had you in one of the top matches. Uh, uh, Jim Duggan defeats Hercules, but Bobby Heenan and Andre the Giant were ringside, and it included uh, footage because they were really, uh, you know. Match time, I don't know how much made up of these programs, but a lot of it was like building up stuff because they did a ton of interviews. They had Piper's Pits, you know, Piper Pits, Piper's Pits on, you know, stuff like that. And they had an interview uh, with you and you were talking about, you know, knocking Andre out with your two by four. So I, I take you back. What do you remember of that, uh, that time and this angle going? Well, I, everybody realized how big uh, the Saturday Night Main event was. I mean, even my... Uh... My sister, who was a, a, a judge in uh, upstate New York, even her friends would watch the show on Saturday night main event. So I knew it was a big deal, but also to be out there and talking about the, the probably the biggest angle of my whole life, knocking out Andre the Giant, the only guy ever to knock out Andre the Giant. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I hit him with my two-by-four. If I could tell the story, Sean, you know, uh, course if there if there's a, a giant in professional wrestling they're like uh, Duggan get your two by four <laughs> I have to wrestle every giant there is but you know Andre's in the ring he goes I challenge anyone they're like uh, Duggan get your two by four you know and so I run down I got my my chin on Andre's belly and I'm looking up at him and I'm like I'm not afraid of you yeah right. <laughs> and Andre went to grab me and his thumb just hit me in the lip it knocked my lip off, man. My lip just came hanging down. Now blood is just cascading down my chest. He's got me by the throat. He's choking me down. He's choking me down. He's choking me down. I'm down on my knees. I feel around. Boom. I get my two by four, hit the big giant between the eyes. He goes down like a huge redwood tree. You know, we go, I'm standing there over Andre the giant covered in blood with a two by four up in the air. Oh, the lip kind of flapping in the wind. Oh, (laughs) but that uh, really elevated my career. So have an opportunity on Saturday night main event to get that across to the folks. I mean, I knew how important that was that I delivered on that. That was a big moment in my career. Yeah. And it certainly was. And you know, what was interesting too, about these, these, uh, you know, Saturday night uh, main events is that, you know, most TVs like Challenge, and people remember back, you know, they were all pretty much jobber matches where they'd bring out, you know, the superstar. Like squash and, um, matches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they had to deliver on this. So they, they had some, you know, some pretty great matchups. I mean, uh, you, you know, facing Hercules. Hercules was a big superstar at the time. But, but uh, tell me, how did they bring along this angle then? 
you know, of course, they put Hercules in the ring. He was part of that, you know, that family, as, as Bobby would always refer to his, his guys in his stable. But uh, how did, do you remember, how did this develop uh, with Andre? Because you had a, a lot of great matches with him that were part of all this. Well, you know, the, the uh, deal with Hercules, uh, God bless one of the guys that have, uh, has passed now uh, over the years. But, you know, I knew Herc from back down in Mid-South. So I, I always enjoyed working with him. But uh, I don't really think that was the segue into the uh, the Andre deal. That was the uh, the challenge when he was in the ring, and you know he mm-hmm. said, "Hey, I, I challenge anyone." And uh, boom, uh, I was lucky enough to be chosen to run down there, man. And of course, Andre, I had had an opportunity to work with Andre as a young kid over in Hawaii as the convict, you know, with my mask. Right. And he would come back from uh, Hawaii or excuse me, he would come back from Japan. He'd stop in Hawaii and work for my via. And so he squashed me over there a couple of times. So I had a little rapport with him. So after all the years to come back to WWF and uh, I had a nice, uh, nice rapport with him and, and he did the favor for me. Yeah. And you know, uh, uh, Jim, uh, Bobby talks about it a lot, uh, before and he talked about it in his book. Other people have mentioned the same thing. And, you know, I had the experience too of being around Andre and, uh, you know, they always say, you know, either Andre liked you or he didn't. It was pretty much cut and dry. Cut and dry yeah. And Why he, do you think he, that he respected you or you were able to have, like you said, a, a good relationship with him? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I, uh, I I tried to treat Andre like I would any other man. You know, I, I wasn't like a, afraid of him when he come into the room where, where some guys were, you know, so intimidated you know, and I've been playing ball for years and been around big guys. Nothing, of course, Andre's size. But, you know, even now people say, Hacksaw, you're a big guy. And I said, in my business, I'm a medium-sized guy. You know, yeah, big yeah. guys are all 6'5", 300 pounds. So I'm used to being around big men. But I just, uh, our personalities, we kind of got along. Arnie Scullin was both our friends. Uh, uh, Tim White, who really handled uh, uh, Andre drove him around and handled all this hotel uh, logistic stuff was a good guy and a good friend of mine. So I had that rapport with him, but you know, guys like uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, he didn't like Bam Bam. He just chased Bam Bam out of the ring in Madison square garden. He was heavy hand in Bammer. And that was Bammer a shoot just right? rolled out of the ring, right? Bammer said, you know, abandoned ship, brother. <laughs> he, he rolled out of the ring, went back to the dressing room, got his gear and was gone. Yeah. Before Andre came back to the dressing room and Big John Stud, Andre didn't like Big John either. Well, there's only one giant. Two guys that are gone. God bless them. Yeah. Well, and you know the thing is, and this is my theory. People may, uh, in, in my experience with Andre, uh, you know, you you always heard the stories, and it's not that it influenced me in any way as far as how I was around him, but you know, you heard stories about uh, you know Andre that where um, you know he would be in an airport and people would come up and try and you know get an autograph or ask him a question or, you know, well, you got to think, well, this is something he endured his entire life. Lonely life for that guy was a tough, tough life. He was so big. He could never get away from anybody. I mean, hold your hand up. Let me see how big your hand is. Right. Come on. I mean, yeah. And so that would be the point where, you know, Andre just didn't acknowledge people at all. He he could be an irritable giant, man. You know yeah. that. Yeah. But you know Supposedly what I'm saying? The story, he, he tipped over a car with like three guys in it. Where, uh, it was one of the small car, and he tipped it over on its side back in the day. Uh, you know, Andre, uh, the, the man was a giant. He didn't want to. And, of course, a lot of stories about it, the way he could drink a lot. And that's that's legendary. But uh, yeah. 
but as as a talent, I mean, he was he was Andre the Giant. You couldn't and if, uh, have to see the movie Prince's Bride. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about perfect casting. You need the Brute Squad. Get Andre. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that movie too. That's Everybody one of my does. That's a good movie. movies. Yeah. It really is, and he was he was so good in that. He did a great job in it. He played yeah. a giant. <laughs> but uh, but you saw him. I'm sure at times when he'd be in an airport or he would be somewhere where people were coming up, and he just did not even acknowledge them whatsoever. Oh, they he could be mean. Uh, he, but you he, understood him, why. Yeah, I've seen him break cameras before, grab people, take pictures without asking, and, and Tim right. White would pay him off. I mean, and Tim, uh, you know, was a referee for quite a while. Was uh, I think he was? He still may be with WWE at this time. A really good guy, but did an awful lot for Andre. Oh, yeah. Going around in the van and, and everything. But he would try to intercept people because, you know, the guy had, had uh, no quality time at all everywhere he went and everything imagine being that big you know you can't sit on an airplane you can't fit in the bathroom you know he was so big some toilets would break if he sit on the toilet you can't fit in the shower i mean you can see where he could be an irritable giant sometimes you know yeah but as, as i was saying he was here, hurting too i mean his he was physically hurting oh yeah because his back and uh you know I'm oh, sure just other, his whole body was beat up. Yeah, his whole body parts. But as I mentioned, like my theory with Andre, and he was, uh, he was could not have been nicer to me. Uh, I, in every experience that I had with Andre, I don't know why. And Bobby told me I, he likes you. I, I don't, you know, whatever. And I remember one time at uh, one of the events, he he, uh, you know, he carried around those, uh, you know, that aluminum briefcase. He had that, and it was and it the Halliburton. The Halliburton. Yeah, the Halliburtons. Everybody had them. But Everybody he, had them. He, he put a bottle of wine in my locker. And I was just, you know, I'm like, that was just, I, I never forgot that. He was just. Yeah, uh, I don't blame you. That, that's huge. I mean, I yeah. didn't know that story. That's a, a big acknowledgement from the big guy to put a bottle of wine in your locker. That's, that says a lot, Sean. Yeah. Sure. And he was, and I think that. <laughs> Can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think, I think the thing about it is that if you, if you treated him like with anybody else, anybody else, exactly. Right. Then it, that's it. That was it. He just wanted. He did, he just wanted to that be one of the guys. It, yeah, and I'm sure that's why he respected you. It wasn't uh, besides what you how you you know handled yourself in the ring and you know did matches because uh, you know I, I heard more than one time that if he didn't want to have a good match, uh, oh, what wanna, are you going to do? Yeah, right. <laughs> I was 312 pounds, man. I was on the gas back then. I bench pressed 505. I was a pretty stout cat. And Andre pushed me around like a kid. He just pawed me around the ring. I mean, like, like oh, yeah. <laughs> different yeah, levels. Yeah, whatever you want. Okay, moving along here. And then we will talk about Andre uh, probably every show. Because we always have uh, I mean, stories. Because he was such a, a, a great uh, impact on the WWF. I mean, he is... <laughs> Uh, he was uh, loyal to the McMahon family. Vince always protected him, and uh, he returned that loyalty. There's, there's absolutely no question about it. But yeah, um, it was good. Uh, there was up. a good relationship for both of them. They both. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Absolutely. Uh, now on November 26th, and this is, I think, this is uh, works really well that it's happens to be July 4th uh, week. Uh, you had a, fla- a flag match um, with. Uh, with uh, none other than Boris Zukov, a, f- a flag match, and it was on, uh, let's see, November uh, 16th. It was a taping in Sacramento, California. That show aired November 26th. But um, any of these page 
patriotic matches, I, I, I don't think you had any uh, issue with uh, <laughs> and being able to sell it. <laughs> well, no, you know, hey, uh, uh, folks ask you sometimes, even now, they say you get tired of it. I said, back then, you know, you're on the road maybe 50 days and doing double shots. You're driving, flying every day, hotels. You'd be worn out, and you're in the back of the dressing room. You open your bag. Your gear's all nasty because you haven't had a chance to wash it in a couple of days. And you're glazing up your boots and like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't know, man. And all of a sudden, you get to the curtain. They start to hit the music. You go through the curtain. Boom! The yeah. people are, oh, USA! The lights are shining, man. It's like a shot of adrenaline, man. You just, boom! You got the flag of the United States of America. I have the honor to be standing out there in front of 20,000 people chanting USA. People say, you get tired of it. I said, I got goosebumps now, brother. I, I love doing it. Even now to this stage, I... I can't wrestle very well, but I can still wave a flag. Ho! That's right, and you're and you're only down to two gimmicks now, which is pretty nice. Well, have to carry all the other stuff. Something happens to my thumb. I'm really in trouble. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But those are those are pretty good matches. I always like the uh, you know uh, Zukov and uh, you know that the the Russian the Bolsheviks were that I they I always got a kick out of and and two great workers, you know. Oh yeah, and Boris, a, a good hand, a good working guy. Nikolai, and, yeah, it, it, uh, it had a big head. Remember, everybody used to rib him about his head. That'd be uh, probably he'd be a human resource if that stuff was going on now. But but mm. uh, yeah, I enjoyed working with Boris, another guy that came out of out of Mid South. And you know, most of those flag matches, you know, the winner gets the, his flag raised to the top of the arena and they play the national anthem. I mean. Uh, you know, to this day, I can't understand a guy taking a knee during a national anthem. I mean, you don't agree with a lot of the political stuff going on. That's fine. But disrespect and protest, whatever you want. But to have the darn grace to stand up and respect the flag. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, could not agree with you more. Because How do you block for a guy like that if he's a quarterback? <laughs> yeah. with Oops. That was my pass blocking anyway. That's why I didn't last too long. <laughs> <in> the pros. <laughs> That's why you got that? into wrestling. Where, I thought go? it was the knees. I thought it was the knees, Jim. Yeah, well, a combination, brother. But they had, my, uh, of course, the Mid-South, we ran the wishbone, so I was in a four-point stance coming off the ball. Got in the pros, they're like pass blocking. What the devil is that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's where the big money is, the, the weak side tackle. That would have been perfect. Uh, shoot, back then, you had 22 grand. <laughs> oh, really? Was that the start? Was that the salary? Yeah, it's minimum wage in the NFL. Wow. Well, you probably look at some of the money that some of these uh, you know wrestlers are pulling in now. And uh, well, as as baseball or everything, everybody's making more money now than they were back then. You know, and uh, it, it's been a good business for me. You know, I just you just don't get divorced three times. You know. Don't yeah. buy four uh, Mercedes and six Rolexes. I mean, you know, live within your means. Hey, hey Jim, when when uh, you did these, uh, these were network specials. I mean, did you guys get anything extra for doing those shows? Or was yeah. it just part of because we be on the show, things. brother. Huh? <laughs> you got the opportunity to be on the show. Yeah. That was, yeah, the, yeah we, <laughs> we were, glad, I mean, excited to be on that show. If you weren't on that show, that was a big disappointment, obviously. I mean, yeah. 
you know, then but back then, I mean, we, we I was going to say, though, if you look at if you know, you look at how they schedule these events, they were, you know, they were TV tapings. That's basically what they were. You know, right. this one uh, would, you know, you'd, you'd uh, it was taped January 3rd. It wouldn't air until January 27th. This other, right. you know, the one in Chattanooga, whatever. But we would do matches for primetime. We do matches for uh, challenge. Um, was it still based at that point? Did you guys, was it all based on the gate that those houses did? The, the, the yeah, was, well, then, you know, nobody really knows what how, how the uh, back then was, you know, because nobody knows what the gate is. You know, who's going to go out there and count the the house? You know, uh, that was the old deal that Baton Rouge a guy came back ten uh, six. Every yeah. house was ten six. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the place be jammed ten six. Be ten six. You know, so you never you never know. But was that the system, though? Was that what it was supposedly? Supposed to be based that was on? the system, right? And of course, obviously, the higher up the card you are, the more you make. But you know, that's supposedly one of the big stories why Nails went off on Vince McMahon in Green Bay and choked him out. Is you know they, they there was heat going on there anyway with Nails, but he was working with Boss Man, you know, and they did, right. did the Garden Show, and Boss Man's like, you know, I got seven grand. What you get? Yeah. <laughs> They was like, I got fifteen hundred. Oh man, <laughs> they're, they're really screwing you around. I'll tell you, I wouldn't put up with that. Must <laughs> be dumb like a fox, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was. I loved yeah. him. You Go know, tell and everybody. Yeah. Like that son of a gun, I'll kill him. Right? <laughs> Stand yeah. back so that, and watch. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe it was a rib. He wanted to see what would happen. If it was, you know, if it was perfect, you know, if it was Kurt, he would have been all over that. Oh yeah, did oh, you know yeah. what he got? Yeah, I, boy, I wouldn't put up with that, right? <laughs> the king of ribs. Wrestler's honor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I promise you, know, you. Go ahead. No, no, that's it. Wrestler's honor. I promise you. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the, it seemed like it didn't. It wasn't. It kind of like had was porous. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you know nails? Shoot, he went off after Vince and grabbed him by the throat. I think that's you know Sarge. Uh, I pulled nails off him, and that's why I think Sarge, the reason Sarge had such a good run up there. <laughs> you saved him? <laughs> yeah, yeah, nails not so long. <laughs> no. Uh, I think he got to keep the jumpsuit, though. Yeah, yeah. He needed it. <laughs> yeah, where he was on work release anyway. Yeah, yeah you know, I'll tell you a quick a funny story uh, uh, is that, you know, Chris Chambers is a, a, a big uh, producer uh, with the WWE. I'm sure you've had dealings with him through the years. But that anyway, son of a, yeah. <laughs> Why'd you mention his name? We we're having a good yeah. time. Saskatchewan, a hat company. <laughs> but but he but he's a, a very good friend of mine. He actually worked with me at Major League Baseball Productions, and uh, you know we through my connections and but he is an incredibly talented producer. And he he came in. They brought him in to work, and it was the first TV he'd ever been to, Jim. And uh, when that incident happened, and I remember him because I was at the TV taping as well, and he came up and he's like, "What the hell did you just get me into? Some guy attacked <laughs> the boss, the, the guy who runs the place." <laughs> I was like, "Oh uh, yeah, kind of way it works around here." Welcome to wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the funniest thing in the world. I'm like, I didn't know what to tell him. I'm like, wow, "Yeah, that kind of stuff happens once in a while." But with Vince, like, he owns the place. The- Vince is a pretty scrappy guy himself, you know. I mean, back then, of course, now he has armed security around him, uh, yeah. which you can understand why. I'll tell you what was wild back when they were giving away that money. Remember they'd given away a million dollars, WWE, uh, and uh, 
just just recently because I was back at the show and and uh, the people would call in. I don't know what the gimmick was, but they were giving away a, a million dollars on Monday night. But back then, because they actually had a million dollars cash at the show on a pallet, and they had some armed security around those. All, that, it, you know, they had a million. I thought it was. I thought it was kind of you know ringed with real stuff. No. Well, no. I, I, they, if they didn't, they had the security for it, and they they weren't real congenial security neither. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how Nothing you fellas doing? Uh, <laughs> oh, keep moving, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he took some shots. I mean, that's for sure. I mean, uh, yeah. we know the whole incident with with Brett too. But with Brett, yeah. Story. Which you know, and and I'll go into that real quick if you don't mind, Sean, because Brett's a, a good friend of mine. I, I like Brett a lot. Spend nights at his house. He stayed at mine. But I thought Brett was kind of wrong on that whole deal up in in Canada. You know. Uh, well, you know that's that's uh, you know we should definitely have a, a podcast about that because yeah, you got. Both sides of this. Both sides, but, yeah. But really, if you think about you talk about wrestler's honor, uh, you don't take a belt, you know, from a territory in a, in a sense, right? You know, right, so. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And, you know, of course, that's that was start of the evolution of the business. I mean, uh, you know, Austin didn't want to do the job for me down in uh, uh, WCW when I came in down there and beat him at Halloween Havoc for the uh, U.S. title, you know. Mm-hmm. I beat the hair off his head down there, but he, he didn't want to do the job, you know, as stunning Steve. And that's one of the reasons the match only went so short, uh-huh. uh, you know, Sean. And, and up to that point, when you left the territory, you'd do the favor. You'd come in, guys, right. and do the favor for you on the way out. And when I left Mid-South, you'd, uh, you know, Kamala was beating the devil out of me every night, you know. So uh-huh. uh, you do the favor on the way out. But that's when the business was changing and, uh, you know, guys were starting to get agents and thinking about the the, the bigger money was getting involved. Yeah. You know, and one podcast I think that uh, we, we definitely have to do down the road too, Jim, is talk about um, attempts to organize. Because, I, you know, I still think about it. And, wow, it just shows the kind of business this is where they were. It was, you know, you're, you're basically independent contractors. That's what it comes down to. And it's every man for himself. And the fact that they've been able to keep it that way, in a sense, and not letting, uh, you know, the boys organize. Because you imagine if they did, I mean, really, if everybody just said, you know what, we're walking if you don't do this. It would be a very different business today. And I, <laughs> I probably shouldn't mention that because I'm going to hear from my friends but uh, at the WWE. But you know what, you know what I'm saying, though. If, if, uh, and you, no, I don't agree with you at all, Sean. Really? No, 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 I'm just joking. Yeah. Huh? No, no, I'm, I'm just joking. Come on, let's, yeah, get some, let's get some heat going here like those other podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Damn no, it. Uh, yeah. No, I uh, I agree, but you got to get the top guys, you know, the other right, underneath but, guys. Right. But the top guys aren't going to do it because he's taking care of the top guys. And a lot of folks say, well, how come you guys aren't Screen Actors Guild? You guys yeah. should be Screen Actors Guild because he uses non-union production people, the camera people, the sound people. They're all non-union. So his whole show is independent contractors. But, uh, you know, the deal is, you, you know, that going in, it's just not a surprise, you know, and. Uh, I think what the big the thing most guys miss out on is uh, out of the group of being organized is insurance. I think a lot of guys would like to get health insurance as the group. Uh, that's the deal. You're always a phony wrestler until you try to get some health insurance. <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. I'm a wrestler. Give me that application back. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, yeah. wait, no. Oh, you ever, 
Yeah, but it's you know it's kind of like in a sense, and like I said, this isn't for this podcast, but you know it's it's kind of like you're an actor and you make it big on a show, and you know these guys that that are down there say, hey, you know what, you're in a position that you can help us out, and the guy's like, and mess up this gravy train, are you out of your mind, right? So well, it's kind of uh, replaceable, you know, you know, because yeah. they uh, there there never be another Bruno. Boom, there's Hulkster. There'll never be another yeah. Hulkster. Boom, there's Austin. There'll never be another Austin. Boom, there's The Rock. I mean, yeah. that's the way it works. The business is bigger than any one guy or yeah. any group of guys. No, I know. No kidding. And, uh, you know, I want to get back here to, uh, you know, the Saturday night's main event because I want to talk about, you know, some of the behind the curtain stuff because sure. I think a lot of people would love to, to uh, hear about that. And, uh, you know, as, as I, told you, you know, like the, the first time that I ever appeared was not until April 23rd, 1990, which was uh, in Austin, Texas. And I remember they had, they had Vince and Jesse on horses as they started that program. <laughs> you, I, I don't know if you, you remember that one, but it no, was... But they, uh, they come up with some good gimmicks. I mean, yeah, they, no, it did. It was, it was great. They don't, they don't the, miss a trick. It's the top level. Yeah. is the best there is in the world. Yeah, they called it the, uh, the tussle in Texas. I remember it very well. And I... Like I said, I have never, I don't know if I've ever been more nervous in my life to do an event because, first of all, it was, it was network television. I mean, like that was, to me, was, we, we'd done, and probably in a pay-per-view, I was seen by more people than, than on one of these network shows. But it was just something about being on NBC and like network. And we would do these interviews. And you remember, everything was scripted. I mean, they had a script. Everything was boom. You had to hit it, right? You remember those right. interviews? Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. And I, you, I know you didn't like doing this stuff. You could do it, but you know, you, you. Well, I couldn't you were see the teleprompter neither, man. <laughs> I'm blind as a bat. <laughs> like, look at the teleprompter. They said, "No, turn around, Duggan." <laughs> that teleprompter. Yeah. Big cards. Well, look at the big card see over us. there. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was also tough because we, we talked about Vince, and Vince could be intimidating, and a lot of times he was in uh, the interview room for a lot of these things. But not on top of that was Dick Ebersol. You know, like Dick Ebersol, the network guy who had been, you know, Saturday Night Live, uh, you know, and these guys, were, and you want to get this thing right. And my part, my role was very small. I, all I had to do was say my right line to get to the next guy, you know? And my God, if I screwed that up, I was like, oh, I cannot. Because a lot of these, it wasn't just one guy. A lot of times you'd have three or four guys, right? So yeah. Oh, yeah. I just remember thinking, oh, like, my heart would like be beating out of my chest getting through this. And do you remember those sets they had? They were the, the phoniest looking sets that I, I don't know how they got away with. Well, Gene had, he was out on the floor a lot of times where he'd be doing this stuff. They had me in this fake locker room that, you know, had all the trimmings of a, you know, supposed professional locker room. But the weird thing and this, I don't know why this stands out in my head, but I still remember it. Do you remember in the, it was pretty much, I always did like the baby, uh, interviews or, or, or well, I would do some of the heels, but they would, you know, turn around. But there was a payphone prop on the wall. It was a payphone that made <laughs> no sense. Why is that in the locker room in the back? It was well, just the, who's the set director on that? Stuff, I don't right? know, but it Who was, comes up with that. Yeah, but the, the reason I remember it so well is that the guys had a blast with it. I mean, I remember Heenan and and and, uh, and Perfect would. You know, they, a few times they'd get the guys that weren't the sharpest tools in the shed, shall we say, and they'd go like the phone, like, like hey, uh, yeah, hold on, for you. hold on a second. <laughs> he's here, he's right here. And they'd yeah. hand the phone, he'd be like, hello, hello, what? Eh? Hey, leave out back Jack alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not naming names. 
<laughs> but I mean, I, oh, I too late. <laughs> but like, I, I don't know why that stands out to me. Well, you know, that, that just... shows exactly how good Bobby and Kurt are. You know, boom, yeah. if there's something there, use it. You know, if there's something in the room, use it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember the one time we are doing an interview, and we taped all these. We pre-taped them. And I uh, was doing an interview with Bobby, and the, the, uh, the phone fell off the wall. It, for, it fell off the wall. And without missing a beat, Bobby said, good, that phone will finally stop ringing. Right. <laughs> on his feet all the time, man. The guy is sharp as a tack. Oh, man. I'm telling you, it was. Uh... And Kurt was like that, too. A lot of the guys were. I don't know if you can hear the fireworks going out here, Sean. I, I live in South Carolina. You know, fireworks are legal down here. I think you can get an RPG if you want. <laughs> South Carolina, they're they're lighting that looks like Baghdad down here over yeah. Lugoff. <laughs> Skyrocket. We use mortar. Yeah, Incoming. Yeah. What 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 would happen if I tied one of these skyrockets to my kid's legs? Yeah. yeah. Let's right. find out. No, I'm not making fun of the jokes there. I'm uh, please, folks. I'm just a uh, uh, little Fourth of July humor, right, Jim? Protect yeah, me. Yeah, Got to be able to. <laughs> Imagine telling a Polish and Irish guy and a Catholic walk in the car. Oh, forget it. She's call a lawyer. <laughs> so you got a big show. They, the fireworks are up already out there. I'm uh, oh, I'm way yeah. out west. It's yeah, not dark. Well, they've been they've been going. It's hard to tell which is fireworks and which is gunfire here in South Carolina. It's one of the two. Well, I want to I want you to be able to get to it. And uh, I don't know how this this flies by, but I'll tell you, I had a blast today. I love talking about this. Uh, and the fact that, you know, it, it really did. That's the whole thing about uh, uh, Saturday night uh, main event really made uh, WWF, now WWE, mainstream. I, I think that that is what it, that was like the pinnacle that it really uh, put it over that uh, over that uh, hoop there that when. You know, where you'd see people, I remember going to Madison Square Garden, there would be a host of celebrities that just wanted to hang out. Uh, Bob Costas was there every time we had a, a show in New York. Regis would come back there. There was, and, and you just look around like, wow. You know, this stars, politicians, yeah. sports stars, uh, musicians, everybody yeah. wanted to be part of the show. I agree with you 100%. Uh, uh, the Saturday Night Main Event uh, took it mainstream. It really did. And, uh, you know, it, it, it did come back, uh, you know, uh, they, they finally, you know, as things happened, NBC got uh, started going with the NBA and the contracts with that and the ratings, you know, after a while, all, but the fact that they had come to an end. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that they did, you know, uh, you know, like 32 shows before 92, and then they brought it back, you know, later in the 2000s, they did four more shows, but also, you know, that they had, remember, they had a main event on Friday night. There was a few scheduling problems, and those shows were, were huge. You know, uh, I tell you, the, those... the way the Saturday night program is nowadays, they, they should try it again. I think they might pull a number down. There's nothing to watch on Saturday night. Yeah, well, who knows? Stay tuned. If SNL keeps going the way it is, you know, uh, who knows? I mean, they... <laughs> that's what I mean. They could take a break for once a month. Yeah. Well, it was and it was uh, it was awesome, and I'm sure you you <laughs> feel the same way I do to have been a part of that. And I don't remember, I don't if you recall. I mean, you you were known the world over at this point, but I do recall, I do remember after appearing on those network shows, uh, how where you know it was mostly when I was at events or something like that, and people would recognize you here and there. After that, man, it was everywhere. I mean, oh, it yeah. was, yeah. you know what I mean. 
yeah, I, I tell you, like I said, it opened up to a whole new group of people. I, I rode to the show with my sister, Angel, who was a lawyer, uh, with a couple of her friends. And they were listening to classical music on the way to the show. I said, this may be the only car in all these, this whole parking lot listening to classical music. But that Saturday night main event uh, yeah. did open up a, uh, the, the product to a whole new group of folks that, that never saw it. Because a lot of folks are like, you know, I, I hate that wrestling. That's horrible. Uh, have you ever seen it? No. Right. Well, no. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think that, that they uh, gave that got people because the production value was so good that they gave oh. it a chance and they watched the show. Yeah. And, you know, as I mentioned that Ebersol had this no sleep production, that was like this period of time where it was kind of between the network and I uh, was working in Stanford and I was still living in the city. And I remember I got to ride back into the city. He had uh, Ebersol had a car with this guy, these guys that he worked with. These are like, like three guys that are, you know, staff member guys. And they uh, and I got to ride back in the city and I, I poor guy, man, I picked his brain about everything with TV because, you know, what a, a tele- television geek I am. And I think that I got to ride back once. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't invite me back for a write-in. I had to take the train. <laughs> well, you got all the questions in that first trip, though. Yeah, I did. I you talked to Zero. You, you listen. Look where you're at now, brother. Yeah. Hey, uh, I mentioned at the top of the program that uh, you know we we got a bunch of questions, Jim. I know you get a bunch on Twitter. And then I told you I opened up the email, and you know I was just whoa. I didn't even have time to go through them because I checked them the other day, and I wrote some down. But uh, I promise, folks, I will get to them. And when you do send us a question, I will give you a shout out because we really love hearing from you. So, Hacksaw, uh, I wanna, I'm going to just throw out a few because we don't have a lot of time here. But uh, from Dan Letzka, uh, he wants to know who was tougher. And I, I don't know. I, we already know the answer to this. But I, I'm hoping you'll shed a little light on, on both of them and sure. maybe something we had before with uh, Andre or Yokozuna. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's well, Dan. That's good. Dan wanted to know that. Well, Yoko, of course, uh, probably was heavier than Andre. You know, Yoko. Uh, How skilled was he, though? You know, Jim, we saw, I mean, he was a gigantic man, but what could he move? Could he work? Yeah, he really? was very agile. I mean, uh, I would do a deal where I would try to knock him off his feet. You know, that was a right. big thing because nobody was able ever to knock him off his feet. And boy, I hit him off the ropes. I hit him off the ropes. I hit, and he would like doing the limbo. He'd he'd be halfway, just almost touching the ground, and he'd come back up. I mean, uh, he was an agile man, getting up on the second rope, doing the bonsai drop. Yeah. Uh, but Andre is in a class of himself. Andre yeah. during his prime, uh, I think Andre could probably take a black bear. I'm not sure about a grizzly, but I think yeah. he'd he'd work over a black bear. Yeah, well, I, you know, I I know, you know, Pat Patterson, who knew him when he was very young, also, so did Lord Alfred Hayes. Alfred uh, told me stories about, you know, seeing him and, and uh, you know, Alfred could speak, uh, you know, uh, passable French and he would, you know, converse with Andre all the time. But he told me that when he saw he him when that. he was, yeah, when, when he was like 17 years old, he saw Andre and he said he was this nimble, uh, you know, could do some amazing things in the ring. And was, you know, uh, the size he was, but he weighed a lot less. But, yeah, well, uh, at 17, we all could do. Yeah. <laughs> but you weren't seven, too. Even, you know, 47, I could do a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. But to think of that, I mean, he still, you know, you think what he did in his later years when you said he was in constant pain. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, well, that's but he if you still... notice a lot of times when he'd go to the ring with Bobby, he'd hold on to Bobby's shoulder. Yeah. Or, or even Teddy, when he was with Teddy, I think at uh, uh, was it WrestleMania three or four there in Atlantic City. Uh, 
he was on he was ringside. He punched me outside the ring with working with DiBiase. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he would hold on walking down to the ring. Yeah, and I and I think you know, imagine how difficult that must have been for him to have to fly places. And I think you you mentioned Timmy White, who used to drive. I remember they had that customized van that had this big and, gigantic uh, captain seat mounted in the that, middle of. A, yeah, but it took a while for that van to come about. You know, yeah. up yeah. until that time, he have to sit sideways in the van. I mean, tough life. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but that did make more about Andre. We keep drifting back, man. Yeah, you can't know, help but, but talk about the boss. He is such a legend. Uh, uh, all oh, right. We one got some me. questions, though. Yeah. Yeah. I got more coming. I got uh, one for me here from John Bolin. He says, please address the story behind Ian Mooney, your next podcast. Do you remember Ian Mooney? That uh, evil, that evil twin brother of mine who still owes me money? Oh, yes. Kind of. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm going to, we're going to, we actually do a lot more of this because I want to do a show where we talk about sensational Sherry because, uh, you know, I think Jim, that she was a real trailblazer for, uh, women in wrestling in a sense that, you know, of course we had, you know, Mula, uh, you know, and, and others who, who I take nothing away from, but I really think that she's the one who helped, uh, you know, ha- help women cross that line into becoming parts of, you know, the, uh, you know, main storylines, you know, where she would, where she was involved with the men. And I, and I, and she was really, I don't know if she gets the credit that she deserves. And I want to talk about her. We'll do that in a podcast coming up, but I, I did uh, wrestling spotlight with her and just quickly, cause I'm not going to go on with this, but uh, Ian, they needed someone to host the program. And uh, I was of course doing the event center, which had segments that appeared in wrestling spotlight. So they came up with this idea, Bruce Pritchard and, and Vince, that you have Sean do it. Well, when I heard about this, I was like, awesome. I get, oh, I get to have an, an evil twin. I get to do all these great things. I could be, you know, this horrible. And no, they didn't really let me do anything except be basically Sean Mooney as Ian. So we'll talk more about that, but I'll tell you how, <laughs> what it was like to work with, with Sherry. She was not exactly um, soft with me in a sense there, Jim. She beat the stew out of me every week. And I'll tell you, you more. Know, uh, what a way to cover a problem. They got a problem. Boom. They covered Ian. Come here. I know, but, you know what I mean? but, but I wanted to be a heel. It was well, my yeah, chance. Well, shoot, I wanted to be world champion, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Here's the next one for you quickly here. Uh, who was the greatest wrestler you ever had a match with? Can, can you, can you narrow wow. down? That that's hard. Uh, the guy I've wor- learned the most from was Ted DiBiase, the million dollar oh. man. Uh, yeah. You know, any of the second generation guys, Ted, Jake, the snake, Kurt Henning, guys that grew up in wrestling are just a little bit more polished. You know, they understand the business. They know they, they know the business much better. You know, I didn't start wrestling. Though. I was 25 coming out of a football background. I struggled the first three or four years at different characters. Then I finally found Hacksaw a little bit in, in San Antonio, but I went to Mid-South I hooked up with Ted as, as the Rat Pack, and mm-hmm. uh, for, since since then I've, I've wrestled Ted thousands of times all over the world, and uh, you know he's uh, the consummate pro. Yeah, and what makes what makes him and and others like him great? Well, you know those kind of guys, like I said, Ted, Kurt, Jake, did the whole package. They got the interview, they got the look, they got the ring knowledge. You know, they got the the, the working ability to tell the story in the ring. They you know, that they got the whole, there's so many guys and, and plus they can handle the road. A lot of guys have yeah. 
the total packages and, and the body and the work and 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 the interviews but they can't handle the road you know you miss all your holidays you're away from your wife i mean it's a there's, there's more than just the business aspect to the business yeah it's it is quite a sacrifice you know i always talk about that you know you kind of sell your soul to the devil you know and uh because of what it costs you uh, you may you know uh, with the fame and everything else that comes with it yeah it's a strain on a marriage it's a strain yeah. on the, uh, just any relationship with your family uh and of course all the uh the bad things are out there all the booze the, the women the drugs god i miss the old days <laughs> <laughs> those were the good days yeah oh, i missed that. that says one of the last guys left yeah okay i'm, I'm gonna go with one more with each of us because we I, i'm I got a long list here, Jim, but we'll get to them next week. I promise uh, that question I just asked you was from uh, old school wrestling. Um, uh, this one quickly, I could answer. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Oh, Matthew Howell uh, in an email. Asked, could you address. Can you address the WWF blazers? Remember the blazers that we wore? Yeah, I, mean, I do. It, yeah. It had the WWF logo. I liked them. Yeah. Well, I like the solid blue ones, but. Vince, as you know, was uh, back in the day, you remember the suits he wore, right? Right. Oh, the yeah. Colors of the rainbow, three-piece suits. Yeah. So I somehow I think he thought that we should be a little bit part of that. And we, I remember they, we, they would have these, uh, there was a tailor in Greenwich, Connecticut that handled all that stuff for us. He did the patches and the, the jackets, and they had our size. And uh, we had the, the dressing rooms were upstairs at, uh, on Hamilton, the, where the TV studios are. I came in one day and there was like four of these blazers and one was powder blue. Another one was cranberry and the gray one was okay. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with these? I mean, they were just, especially the cranberry. I could never, if you look on any, I don't think I ever wore the cranberry. Uh, but, but I liked the dark blue blazer. I was good with that. You could have given me four of those and I would have been good. But, uh, you know. Well, you could have gave the, uh, the cranberry one to your evil twin. <laughs> yeah. that's right well you know you think back then though the nfl and the nba they had the guys standing there with the microphone with the nfl on it and the blazer i mean that that was that that time period i mean that's when they had the block wwf long before the scratch ww you know i mean uh it evolves i tell you that's the thing about uh, the ww they they evolve very very quickly look the social media they were one of the first on the, the social media the whole deal with the network, probably, you know, they were ahead of everybody getting their own product and a network. I mean, yeah. which is, which has worked out great for us old timers. Yeah. Well, to this day, you know, I mean, they're always ahead of the curve and I don't imagine they'll stop anytime too soon, as long as uh, Vince McMahon is involved. I okay. Agree. Last what one. What happens you after I Vince McMahon is another question. The what? I said, what happens after Vince McMahon is another question. Maybe that's another podcast down the road. Oh, yeah. Never, Are you kidding? If we, if we never want to work with the WWE again, we'll do that, right? Okay. Uh, I don't think that's a big uh, probability <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Wait, hold on. There's a phone now. Yeah, after this uh, show? Vince, hey, how you doing? Yeah. Hey, uh, what? Yeah. Never again? What's that mean? Okay. All right. Yeah, last... You hear that a lot in wrestling. Ask Cobra. <laughs> All right. I, I like this question. This is great. Uh, this is from Dominic Cago from Los Angeles, an email we received. And Jimmy says, did you, did you have any issues working with Lance Storm in the WCW? And how did the U.S. fans react when you became a member of Team Canada? And I saw a picture of that. I, I, I was sickened. 
with you with the uh, you had a jacket on with the well, during the Canada Day, which I was love just last. I uh, believe me, don't not, don't get me wrong, but it, this is hacksaw Jim Duggan. Well, so. you know, the, 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 at, there's quite a big backstory to that whole deal. That uh, was Vince Russo's idea. He came into WCW, you know, and I, I think what they were trying to do was push me out of my contract. Uh, they wanted me to quit. You know, and first they made me the janitor of the WCW. Uh-huh. And that janitor gimmick worked a little bit. You know, I found the but you TV. Made everything to- work. I know that no matter what they threw at you. Right, you were yeah. Definitely- and then, so that was the deal. And they, they put the Team Canada thing on. And... Uh, you know, the, the U.S. fans were like, oh, come on, Hacksaw. You know, that, that's not you. I had a few, uh, you know, people bought it. But I think it was more like, ah, that's a, you know, and it really wasn't coming from the heart. What, even even the fans. It was great because uh, Major right? Guns was part of Team Canada. So, <laughs> and then, of course, I was able to cut my hair and shave my beard, which I haven't done in my whole adult life. So that, that was pretty cool, too, you know what? Yeah. I went and sat with guys I've known for 20 years. They didn't have a clue who the hell I was. You know, my wife, I came home. My wife is like, this is great. You look totally different. <laughs> I got a new what? man. Hey, wait a minute. What the- <laughs> Who's been stopping by, honey? Yeah, right. Uh, put the red wig back on, honey. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Great question, Dominic. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. And uh, once again, I want to remind everybody, that uh, we we love to hear from you on the emails and and you can actually uh, you know uh, put a few characters in there. You know, up to 142, you can tell us whatever you like. We want to hear suggestions for the program, a future podcast. We'd love to hear it. And I know Jim loves hearing these questions as much as I do. I will get them in every week, and we'll give you a shout out for uh, appearing on the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, for those emails, you can email us uh, at mld w.com oh wait a minute that's not the one. The, the the email address is primetime at mlw.com primetime at mlw.com okay if you just want to uh, you want to listen it's mlwradio.com and of course through itunes we want you all to become subscribers so when you go there be sure you subscribe and give us a rating if you like what you heard today uh, please tell us what you think if you didn't go ahead and tell us what you think uh, you know there it's going to make the the program better and of we course twitter too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Big uh, guys have bigger feelings, you know, larger nerve endings. That's a, we actually that's, hurt more. Ow. Yeah, he's a big guy, folks, but he's very sensitive. So uh, yeah. go ahead and put the boots to me, but take it easy on me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, but you can contact us, you know, of course, through Twitter. We're both big Twitter guys. That's the first thing I look at in the morning. Uh, so. Hey, knock it off. <laughs> End at night. Mm. Okay. Oh, uh, the Twitter. <laughs> yeah, Twitter. You uh, at you can get to uh, hacksaw at, at official hacksaw, and of course you can reach me through at Sean Mooney. Who? Uh, maybe one day they'll know at Sean Mooney. Who? And the uh, other Twitter account we have for the program is at Primetime MLW. So Jim, this is I uh, really this was awesome, and um, you know I think we both really appreciated that time of and and be and, and the privilege of being on uh, those programs with Saturday night's main event. But uh, we will have a lot more to talk about next week. Well, you know, Sean, always good to talk to you. I want to apologize to the folks about my dog barking every once in a while. Old Biscuit barked away. But uh, it's great to have this headset working here on the 4th of July. And, of course, I want to give one more plug to my show up in Charlotte, uh, July 17th, Monday night, the Comedy Zone, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan's uh, show. 
Like I said, a catchy title. Who came up with that, right? <laughs> well, they won't, they won't have any problem uh, when they say, well, yeah. you want tickets to what? <laughs> yeah. But it's right? a fun, uh, fun, unique night out. But, uh, Sean, always good to talk to you. And uh, I know Brian's listening to us, and I hate talking to him. But uh... Yeah, but let's <laughs> give him credit, Brian Fritz, who's our, yeah, son uh, of our a producer. Gun. Has to deal with us every week. Yeah. So. And sorry, we were supposed to do this earlier. My mistake, guys. We got it done though. So thanks for uh, putting up with me. Yeah. Well, happy Fourth of July week, everybody, and uh, we want to thank you for tuning in to Prime Time with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Sean Mooney. We'll see you next time. Ho, USA! Happy Fourth, tough guy. The world of NLW Radio never stops. Over 460 million people around the world have disabling hearing loss. Starkey Hearing Foundation provides hearing aids and hearing-related healthcare to millions of patients in over 100 countries. But they need your support to continue helping those in need. Give the gift of hearing by donating to the Listen In Campaign. Go to listenincampaign.org to donate today. That's L-I-S-T-E-N. I-N-C-A-M-P-A-I-G-N dot O-R-G.